Welcome to this special series produced together with our friends at the Folklore Podcast. We will be playing The Shivering Circle and the adventure The Ostringer. Our Game Master is the creator of The Shivering Circle, Howard David Ingham. Now sit back and enjoy some chilling folk horror. You uh, have been working on the current episodes of Eric Higginson's World of the Strange for the last week or so. Um, You're in the town of Hoddersford at the moment, which is in Dorset, obviously. And yeah, it's, it's been particularly difficult. You arrived yesterday and arrived at the bed and breakfast, the Glory Inn. Um, it's got fake timbers on the outside and lots of rustic detailing dating to, I don't know, 1997 on the inter- inner walls. No one was there when you picked up the keys to your room yesterday and well I mean evidently someone's in residence because there was some fresh toast cereal orange juice a tray of croissants and pan au chocolat um Steve Steve ate most of those a pot of filtered coffee and several pots of tea and when you get back went back to get some stuff at lunchtime today the teapots and mugs in your rooms had been changed but you haven't seen anyone in fact the the town's been really quiet you're currently doing a drive around the four of you in the car scouting it out your host for the program which will be on uk history at some point in the next few months is of course the celebrity sidekick eric higginson um he's not here yet he arrives on um on monday and when we start filming and it's thursday so you've got a few days in order to work out exactly what you're going to do scout out the locations find out things that Mr. Higginson can talk about in his things. Derek Higginson is, of course, Eric Higginson, sorry, of course, is um, very famous for doing his celebrity seance, also on UK history, which recently has become known for, I don't know, accurate history, really. He's um, known by the crew, but never to his face, as Mr. Whippy because of his hair. This looks a bit like an ice cream. He is the worst diva imaginable. You will be expected to handle him and manage him. You are not looking forward. And it's fine. He's not arriving until filming starts on Monday because that means you can actually get some work done. So I'm today, the drizzle is constant. It's the middle of June, but drizzle is that sort of constant miserable slow almost imperceptible rain that comes from a sky that's a just a flawless gray sheet above you and which seeps through the seams of your clothes and sort of almost feels kind of like a cold sweat it's just everywhere it's just miserable it's miserable and it's depressing and you are currently on a drive between the town of Hoddersford and the shivering circle of Hoddersham down when you go past a hill you can see trees that even though it's you know supposedly summer just look like 
black skeletons against the featureless grey sky. And there's a thud across against the front of your car. Who's driving? Uh, I would say that probably Gareth is driving as the runner. All right. Yeah. So I'm driving. Yeah, there's been a thud across the front of your car. Oh, shit. What was that? What was that? I, I look in the mirror, the rear view mirror. Was it something? Do I see something on the you, road? You, you, you can't see, see, see anything. Uh, pull over, Gareth. Pull over and we'll have a look. All right. All right. I'm just not... Okay. And I start pulling over to the side, feeling miserable, absolutely miserable in this weather. Oh, what is this then? And I open the door and I just look out. Do I see anything on the road? Something falls to the ground in front of the car with a kind of slapping noise. Oh, it's no. probably just a sheep or something. Don't worry about it. It's just a sheep? Well, well then you're out around the front of the car. Um, it's a bird. A large bird. Oh, no. A hawk, in fact. I go out and I... I, I look at it from a distance at first because he's obviously a bird of prey. Is it alive? It, is it, does it move? Oh, no, no, it's dead. It hit the front of your car and oh, it no. sort of, as the car's going along at 40 miles an hour, it basically stayed on the front of your car and when the car stopped, then it fell off. I killed a hawk, guys. There, there's, there's a ring. There's a ring around around its, um, its, its um, leg as well. Oh, no. I should take this to someone. I don't know. Well, can't you just leave it by the road and then call someone to pick it up? No need for us to bring it into the car. No, no, I agree. Look, have a look at that ring on its leg. Have and see if it's got any contact details or anything on it. And I kneel down there and there's sort of mud on the side of the road and I try to get a hold of this. I'm shaking slightly. It's covered in it's covered in blood. It's mangled. It really whacks into the car. Oh. The, the, the ring is just a sort of brass ring. It looks very, very old. Does it say anything on it? Does it have any markings? Any words? No, no it's just it's, 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 it's sort of green around the edges. It's that old. It's sort of... Wow. Well, I can't get it off its leg, can I? No, no, you can't. No, just just leave it, Gareth. It's probably just an old bird that had been tagged a few years ago. Probably belonged to one of the locals, but had been put wild since then. I mean, it wasn't your fault. There wasn't anything we could do about it. Yeah. What are the rest of you doing? Obviously, Steve is telling Gareth to leave it. What about Lucy and Penny? Lucy um, is fiddling with the bracelet that she wears on her wrist. It's got ten black beads on a sort of worn leather band. And... Um, this, every time something happens she just plays with them for a bit and then she counts them very carefully three times before she can say anything you had a cup of tea just before going out didn't you Lucy yes I did you've been out for a while you've been out here for a while hmm. it, it, it's weighing heavily on you is there, is there anywhere nearby that I could, no. you know, a bush no, 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 no. There's well, it, it's really, really exposed here. You're up at the top of the hill, and in fact, actually, as you're looking around, you can see um, against like the skeletal trees for a minute what looks like what it looks like. The, was there someone up there, standing up there in the 
guess with a hat or something or, or was it just a it was probably just 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 a bush or something or, or, or something or sheep or something I don't know something there might have been someone up there I if they I, I who knows I, I turn and have a look out of the car window as best I can because of all the rain hitting it um, and I sort of squint into the distance while I'm still playing with my beads I just feel really really uncomfortable at the moment um, and I think I'm, I'm just going to agree with Steve and just say look I think we just ought to leave it and and let's just go on I give a little shiver as I stand up there in the rain I mean I still got some kind of raincoat on it protects me somewhat but it feels like it's just this wetness is everywhere and I uh, I let go of the leg that I've been holding and I rub my hands together and I start hurrying back into the driver's seat then uh, oh oh Gareth wait you should probably wipe your hands more properly before you you know you never know where that bird has been and I say yeah 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 <coughs> <coughs> and I start coughing a bit, as I am wont to do, being a bit asthmatic and all. So I, I pick up, pull out my inhalator, and I have a suck on that. And then I grab some of the papers, the napkins that you had there. Or do you hand them over to me? Yeah, I was yeah. going to uh, rummage for the wet napkins, and I hand you a couple cheers, of them. Cheers, Penny, cheers. All right. No, no worries. As you drive as you go a bit in the car and start the car up a magpie lands on the side of the road and starts picking at the corpse of the hawk i guess the tables have turned huh gareth you um this shouldn't bother you gareth um however steve what are you afraid of steve steve is not a big fan of of your magpie um so he hurriedly returns to the car and just is, is this a super well the magpie's not there now it's weird you didn't see it flying away or anything it just sort of appeared almost steve steve as he gets to the car door and and goes to to sit down he, he looks again and does a kind of double take at the um at the the corpse of the hawk and he's about to say did any of uh, and then he just stops and thinks better of it and just gets in the car and shuts the door Lucy sees where he's looking and kind of looks around to see what he was looking at and doesn't see anything, so just shrugs and carries on looking in the direction of where she thought she might have seen something. But there's, there's nothing there. Anyway, you've got to get to the Shivering Circle before the light gets bad. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's about 50. It's not that far, so you should be fine. And it is supposedly midsummer, so you should be all right. But you should you should get there. I mean, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and you want to finish and just have a rest this evening, really. The drive is fairly uneventful and you arrive at the shivering circle of Hoddersham Down. Now, as stone circles go, it's fairly modest. Um, there are 12 stones in a ring and none of them are more than about five feet tall. And there's a flat, smaller, flatter stone in the middle by way of a table. It's in a clearing on a wooded hilltop. It's about two miles from Hoddesford and about two miles from the Hoddesdon estate. 
which is the very working class, slightly deprived area from here. There's almost kind of an equilateral triangle. Here's an interesting fact, because obviously you guys have been looking up interesting facts, right? No historical document anywhere mentions the shivering circle of Hodgesham Down before the witch trial of Margaret Rose in 1601. So how old is it? I mean, Yolo McGannock, he, he invented the modern druid, pretty much. He, he decided and invented Eisteddfods and Welsh culture and stuff, and he was looking for survivals of paganism in Britain. He, in the 18th century, he assumed it was an ancient and druidic and wrote that in his writings, but then he used to say that all the time. They're, they're not very, yeah, I mean, they're not hugely impressive. I mean, you're you're at the edge of the circle. I mean, well, you've you've got to, who, who's, who's in charge of cameras here? That's, that would be me. Right, so what are you doing at this point? Oh, I'm, I'm probably, I'm sitting, uh, I've been sitting in the car with my camera bag in, on my lap, so I'm, I've, as we have been getting closer to the shivering circles, I've, I've been starting to, you know, go over the equipment to make sure they're like properly charged and everything looking like it should. So I'm probably sitting with one of the cameras up and kind of aiming it towards the shivering circle through the window. Yes. Are you, are you going to go get out and try and test the light and everything and try and sort out shots and things you can make? Yeah, as soon as everyone else starts, you know, leaving the car, I will. Um, well, I'm going to get out of the car and, and start having a little wander around and, and sort of look for places that would frame Whippy nicely um, and the sort of thing that he would like to be kind of seen, sort of sweeping landscapes and all that sort of malarkey. Um, yeah. Anything that makes him look good and kind of check which direction the sun's coming from so I can position him so the sun gets his good side, you know, all that sort of stuff. And just basically see if there's sort of anything even remotely interesting kind of landmark wise apart from the stones themselves that we might be able to bring in um, to the background of a shot and then link to later in the show okay good and so you walk you walk up you walk up there up up the little hill and as you walk inside the range of the shivering circle it's like a chill goes down your spine it's really cold like really cold I shiver quite violently because it hits me even with the rain it wasn't actually that cold but this this hits me really quite strongly and so I I sort of stop for a second and consider it then take a step back outside the circle again and it's not as cold and so I'm going to do that two or three times I don't care if I look like a, a crazy woman I'm going to do that two or three times because I thought I must have imagined it Steve has uh, been hanging back a bit because he's been trying to gauge what the general atmospheric background noise of the place is. So he's he's hung back a little bit from the party just to get an idea of, you know, what's going to be good for sound, what's going to cause a problem. Um, and he sees this happening uh, and says, you all right? You look like a bit of a crazy woman. What are you doing? <laughs> and see what you think of this I thought it was just my imagination but when you step inside the ring of sir the, the ring of stones it's I don't know it feels a lot and I'm not talking just it's a bit chilly this is a lot colder in here come you do it as well and see what you think just stand outside 
Right. Now take two steps in so you go past the stones and then tell me what you think. Uh, and Steve does that. And this is, of course, why it's called the Shivering Circle. This is why you're doing the um, the segment on Eric Higginson's World of the Strange. Because this, this, this phenomenon cannot be detected on scientific instruments. And yet everyone feels really cold. <laughs> I'm uh, a bit away. I'm uh, setting up a sort of outdoors uh, um, sort of tent sort of thing where we can have uh, food and whatever equipment we need to keep out of the rain. And uh, I see them doing this little uh, do-si-do over there by the circle and I yell over to them, Is it true then? Is it actually colder? Amazingly, yeah. I think I'm going to have to backtrack on quite a few of the things I thought about this place because it is definitely a lot colder, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, you don't reckon it's just like some kind of crosswind or something coming from over there? It is a very high place. I wipe a bit of uh, rain out of my face and I try to put some of these things together. But I, I cannot let it go because I'm too curious now, so I'm going to go over there as myself as well to sort of experience this. Oh, oh Garrett, there, dear, I would like some help with the bags here oh sorry yeah of course of course do you want me to put them in the here the tent just yeah yeah up? if you can grab the big one and i'll i'll bring these two ones so i stopped just outside the circle as uh, uh, pen penny calls for me so i don't actually go into it and i uh, take the the bags and i start hurrying them over to where i'm setting up the tent um yeah steve there's no wind well, it was only an idea. I honestly thought people were exaggerating, but it's a lot colder, isn't it? That's really fascinating. Tis cold, I'll, I'll give you that. Tis cold. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Yeah, it is, actually. I'll tell you what, though. It's not hard for you to actually figure out levels. It's a piece of cake, because weirdly, although it's kind of high up and exposed, it's somewhat quieter than a lot of outdoor locations that you've been... You've, you've done sound recording at it, it is quite a bit quieter actually it, it, it oddly quiet actually is it unnaturally quiet well what's unnaturally quiet really I mean a lot of these things in your experience are due to perceptions as much as anything aren't they is there any bird or animal life that can be heard for example the distant sound of uh, a car or some other piece of transportation inside the circle you can't hear anything and then you move a bit further out towards the edge of the hill the, the, the hill's precipitously steep on one side and quite gentle on the other and you go to the steep side and yeah actually you can hear hear some hills and stuff and you can see in the distance the Hoddesdon estates and uh, a bunch of teenagers who should be at school sort of hanging around towards the bottom of the hill. There's a, yeah, there's actually a bunch of teenagers, like um, three teenagers sort of sitting at the bottom of the steep side of the hill, smoking fags and looking kind of, um, I don't know, near to well, actually. They're, they're not far from you. And can I hear them from outside of the circle? Yeah, you can't hear any specific words or anything, but yeah, you can hear them. Uh, they're, they're, they're talking. They're just doing... They're just they're just loitering as teenagers do. And know? can and can I hear them then from inside of the circle? 
No, but then that's a bit further towards the middle of the Dome of the Hill. So it's not... You can't, no. But it's not entirely out of the question, if that makes sense. I've been uh, rummaging around in one of the bags that um, Gareth helped me put on under the little tent. Okay. And uh, actually, I hand him uh, one of these uh, infrared camera thingies that you can actually check temperature with. All right. Yeah. I, I give it to Gareth and like, oh, come on, love, let's go, let's go see oh, what this we is can cool. see then. You brought one of these infrared thingies. And um, I fold up an umbrella to be able to cover you and the instruments and stuff, sort of following you around with the, when you're carrying the camera. We are, we are here to check the temperature, so <laughs> I thought it would be handy. Yeah, yeah, it's just a cool way of doing it, so. And I uh, sort of uh, try and hold up the umbrella with one hand and see if I can activate this thing and look at the circle. All right, well, um, yeah, you got it activated and... As far as you can make out, it's no different. Mm. The temperature's the same in there and out there. I can't really see any difference here, Penny. What if you go in, just you go in and see if you get colder. <laughs> okay, of course. And I sort of look at her. It's a bit fidgety, sort of having to hold the umbrella, trying to cover her at the same time as I'm holding the camera outside of the circle. Probably looks really stupid, but... We're getting a bit engaged into this now. It's quite fun. I'm not quite as excited as Garrett is with this whole project, but um, I kind of walk slowly into the circle to see if I can feel any difference. I'm kind of skeptical, actually, but... um, Well, we'll see. Okay, we're going to fade out that scene now, and because little more of event happens and we're going to find ourselves back in the village of Hoddersham where you're staying. Now, there was some question of you visiting the museum possibly, or there are other things that you could do. It's up to you really. Lucy, are you going to, because obviously you're really dying for a wee now. So are you, are you going to go to back to the bed and breakfast, which is the other side of the village, or are you just going to hang on for the museum and go to the museum toilets? I think I will just hang on for the museum, whichever is the closest by this point. So the others will probably notice that my um, my playing with my beads is kind of getting slightly more rapid now. It's usually relatively measured, unless I'm really stressed, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of plucking at them a little more than I probably usually would. An old lady at the desk of the museum um, views you with a gimlet eye and and, and, and sort of says, good afternoon, how can I help you? And Lucy freezes for a second and and just kind of grips the bracelet on her wrist just for a moment. Then she takes a deep breath and says, um, hi, I, I, I take it you're open today and I can come and look around, is that okay? Uh, certainly. Um, what brings you to this part of Worcestershire? Oh, um, I work for a production company and we're doing some filming up at the Shivering Circle. Oh, really? Oh, really? We've, uh, we've got some, uh, we've got some information about that. 
There's oh. some stuff about the witch trial over there. Oh, and, Margaret Rose. Uh, yeah, Peggy Rose. The last child to be hung for witchcraft in England in 1601. Oh, that's that's fantastic because I've been reading up about that and I'd love to see some artefacts. That would be really useful. And also, um, can I just ask, is there a toilet here that I could use, please? Oh, yes, it's, it's just round the corner. Oh, thank you very much. And not just genuinely because she needs to use it, but also to end the kind of social interaction thing, Lucy almost turns and runs in the direction of this toilet. Right. I've seen the rest of you looking around the museum. Ah, uh, yeah, look around. Is there, a, is there a cafe in the museum or is it just a museum? It's just a museum. I mean, yeah. we're talking about a village museum. It's not yeah. really been um, renovated in the way that a lot of the, a lot of lot of Hoddesford has been kind of gentrified over yeah. the years. But the museum is still a quite an old school village museum. A lot of it is quite dusty. There are some nineteenth-century mezzotint engravings of uh, the the Shivering Circle. It hasn't changed a whole lot. Oh, here, here's, here's an interesting one. There's, there's a photograph from 1920 of, of a tall, very rare, very sort of uh, raw-boned old man in a threadbare black tweed and a tall, a tall battered hat with a, with a hawk. And, and uh, the, um, the caption, uh, John, Mr. Baker, a local Austringer. Presumably you know what an Austringer is, right? Is it someone who hunts with a, yeah, the hawk or a... It's someone who hunts with a hawk, as opposed to a falconer who hunts with a falcon. Oh. Hawk is a poor man's bird. An Austringer is a bird hunter who is therefore poor. Is class-based in, in Britain. Yeah. As it always is. Not just, you know, I mean, not just in in this part of Devon or in like other areas in England but in Britain generally um, even even the animal you hunted with was a sign of what class you were <coughs> I start coughing a bit and I pull out my inhalator again and I and I look at this uh, look at this picture for a while and he's got, he's got you know he's a hawk and he's you know and it's got that sort of it, it, you know, it's about nine inches tall. This picture is full scab sized, and it's uh, it, it's difficult to see details. But he's got this sort of his, his eyes seem to be watching you from this photograph. It's it's the damnedest thing. And I see uh, Steve is standing there next to me. So... Look at this. He's a uh, an Austringer. He's got the hawk and everything. Isn't that weird, though? It's a bit of a coincidence, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Steve, the first, um, as as presumably, Steve, you're you're an enthusiast for British television, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the the last time you heard the word Austringer was in uh, was in an old BBC play for today that um, sadly no longer exists. Is an interesting. It's it's one of those great missing episodes that people uh, people people look for weirdly. But yeah, so it's it's an unusual word. Um, other things you find, you know, like I said, mezzotint engravings of the Shivers and Shivering Circle, um, engravings and pictures of 
of Hoddesham Grange as well. Hoddesdon Grange, the the old stately home, which has fallen out of use. It's, um, it's largely uninhabited, although you heard that there were some people doing some research up there for, for some reason. There's a knife which supposedly belongs to one of the coven. The paw of an animal, the dried paw of an animal, which was also supposed to belong to the um, the witches of 1601, and a child's finger bone, the finger bone of Peggy Rose, the nine-year-old girl who was apparently at the centre of the coven, who were hung in 1601. Steve, Steve is uh, is taking a, a look at the mezzo tints of the circle uh, and turns around and, and says to the others there as they're wandering around these are quite nice old mezzo tints so I wonder if we went away and came back later on today whether they would have changed and there wouldn't be a little creature or something in the bottom of them and he, and he laughs at his own really poor <laughs> MR James related gag yeah um, I think uh... I should probably, uh, and I start just go over to the receptionist because um, I realise that maybe I should report this to someone about the hawk now that I see this photo. If there is someone still using them for hunting or whatever, then I don't know. Maybe that was what he said, an escaped thing that I should let someone know about. So I go over to her and I say, excuse me. Um, Hello. Yeah, hi. Um, sorry, can I help you, dearie? Yeah, you see, um, on the way here, I had a bit of a roadkill. <laughs> there was a there was a hawk um, that's... I didn't see it. must have swooped down somehow, and uh, it had a ring on its leg, so I was... looked really old. I was thinking that maybe it's someone... It belonged to someone here. Didn't want, you know... I, I wouldn't have a clue, dearie. Uh, you might want to go talk to the local vet about that. She might know. Oh, there's, there's um, a vet? She, she's, an out, she's an outsider, though. So, yeah, the vet's practice is just the other end of the main the main street, the high street. Did I see as Yeah, I wouldn't worry. Thing. All right. Um, what was her name? Um, do you know, I don't rightly know. She ain't been here that long. Oh, uh, right. she's, not, she's not the old fella. She's not the old fella, Mr. Chinnery. Oh, I did like Mr. Chinnery. Lucy, Lucy, as you're washing your hands um, and drying your hands, you come out of the toilet and you're confronted almost immediately. You come out of the toilet by by a very small, contained, very stern looking woman. Everyone's so stern looking around here who basically just confronts you and blocks your way in. in it's, it's, it doesn't seem to be deliberately impolite. But she she sort of says, "Excuse me, uh, are you are you are you are you the television people? Did I did I hear that you were the television people? Um, are we actually in in the the bathroom at this point, or is it back in the corridor? No, you just come out of the bathroom into the corridor and immediately confronted by this woman, and to the extent you know where you can go, you're basically cornered. Okay, um, I've still got my hand on on the door because I'm literally standing kind of under the door frame. So I'll sort of shrink back a little tiny bit. And um well, are you? Yes, yes we are. Can I help you in some way? Well, well it's 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 an odd thing really. Um my my my, my late husband Bernard's um used used to work for the BBC. 
and um, he, he passed uh, not long ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, he, 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 he was a brute and it was the alcohol that did for him. I'm not really particularly upset. He, he left behind um, certain things in our home and we wondered if you as um, television people might actually be interested in the things that he had left because I've got no use for them whatsoever. I don't I have no clue if they're even worth anything. Mostly old, old film canisters and, and such things. Oh, right. Um, yes, I, I don't, I'm quite happy to come and have a look at them. Um, we can certainly see what they are, whether they'd be valuable, whether you'd be worth, you know, be worth you selling them on eBay or something like that. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Oh, by, 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 by all means. Um, I'm, I'm in number 25, the high streets. 25, the high street. Okay, what was your name? I'm Lucy. Um, I'm, I, 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 I am Erica Newman. Erica, it's lovely to meet you, Erica. Mrs. Newman. Mrs. Newman, apologies. And and you are? I'm Lucy Webb. And uh, and 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 who 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 do you work for here? Who who is in charge of this group that you're with? Well, I'm the director, so I'm I'm in charge of uh, of what. Oh really? What, yes, yes, I am. Oh, oh, how modern. Right. Um. She she uh, she leaves you to it. I I I'll see I'll see you in my home in about half an hour. Lucy automatically um, glances at her phone to check what time it is, and finds herself going, "Yes, yes, that's absolutely fine." And uh, and then as as um, she decides to sort of just take a step back and let the bathroom door close between her and Mrs. Newman, and and she just goes back to the sink and kind of leans on it for a second, and then takes some cold water and splashes it into her face, um, and takes a few deep breaths and, and counts her beads a couple of times. And then she's ready to go back out and see what the others have found out. Yes. You know, it's... It's so long since you guys, have been, any of you, have been to Cornwall, if at all. And uh, it's, it's kind of a, a, a strange sort of experience, really, isn't it? When, when Lucy arrives back, um, Steve turns around and says to her, do you reckon they uh, they don't teach geography round here? Why? What do you mean? Well, when we came in, that lady on reception, she said, "What brings you to Worcestershire?" Hmm. Well, I don't remember Dorset being in Worcestershire. And then I was looking at this year a picture of Odisham Grange look on the wall. Yeah. And it is labelled Odisham Grange, Devonshire. So it is. So when was Dorset in Devonshire either? You've always been in Devon. It's always been Devon. You can look at Google Maps if you if you like doubting that. I was gonna say when I when I looked it up it definitely said Devon. So why did that woman on reception say what brings you to Worcestershire? Did you take a wrong turn in, Gareth, when you was driving up here or something? I think we'd have noticed. Um, <laughs> Are you sure she said Worcestershire? She probably said Devon, you know. I can't remember what she said now. Oh, I'm fairly certain she said Worcestershire, you oh, know. Oh, don't worry about it. Worcestershire, but I'm not sure now. Oh, really? Yeah, she did. She did? Yes, yeah, she did, did she? She did. Oh, no, no, you were wrong. You were wrong, actually, because you've still got your phone open, and now it says you're in Worcestershire. And, I mean, you know, I mean, the the, the medicine says, says Worcestershire, too. 
I look down and I'm I get a bit confused. I just feel like my head is spinning a little. Um anyway, um Lucy has um just made an appointment for you all. Um would you like to explain that, Lucy? Yeah. Um there was there was a woman who basically just accosted me in the hall outside the toilet. Um apparently her husband used to work for the Beeb but he's passed on. Um, don't do any of the sort of sympathy thing because I really don't think she gives a shit about him from what she said. But um, she's got some stuff that she, I think she's looking to sell it. She said there's something about old film canisters and that just made me interested because if he worked for the Beeb and he lived around here, maybe there might be something interesting we could use as a segment in the in, in the show. That could be cool. I mean, not that I know, but I could see that. Um, yeah, but do we have equipment to really, you know, look what's on them? Well, she might have stuff. She said she's got lots of stuff at the house and she doesn't know if it's worth anything. She's probably expecting us to pay for it, so we'll deal with that oh, tis, as tis and wor- when it happens. It is worth having a look because we can always take it back to base and have a look at it. And Steve's ears have kind of pricked up at this point because he, he is a fan of old um, TV programmes and, and obviously is still looking for those elusive missing Doctor Who episodes and so on. So every time something like this comes up, he's like, oh, well, we could just at least have a look at the labels and see what they say. I thought you'd say that. Don't see any harming actually giving it a go a look. So um, it there might be really interesting stuff there. So. Yeah, exactly. Do you need me? Um, can I drop you off there? Because uh, I was going to go to the vet and just report the hawk thing. She said... It's all on the same street. Yeah. If I drop them off, I can just go down there. Is yeah, that... I mean, I mean, I mean, it, you literally don't even have to drive. It, it's it's like, you know, 200 yards one way and for 300 yards the other. Right. This isn't a big place. I'll tell you what then, Gareth. Why don't you, uh, why don't you pop down to the vets? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and do what you feel is the right thing to do. We'll we'll go and see Mrs. Woman up the road there. And then why don't we meet up in that little cafe that we saw opposite when we got here? Alright. If you need me, just give me a ding, alright? Otherwise I'll just go there. Okay, we'll do um, Mrs. Newman's house first. So you arrive at Mrs. Newman's house. It's a cottage, it's it's slightly back from the rest of the high street. It's very nice. You knock at the door. She arrives at the door. She says, "Oh, the television people, right? You're, oh, you're on time. Right on time. Right. She she doesn't let you in the house. She goes around, takes you around the side of the house to the garage. So you go in the side entrance to the garage and into the dusty side of the garage. It smells. No car has been kept here for a very long time. So on the way over, I would have." Um told both Penny and um, Steve for, her name is Erica Newman but for God's sake call her Mrs Newman at all times okay yes uh, why wouldn't we well I, I made the mistake of um, introducing myself as Lucy and call, and she uh, and I called her Erica and then I really wished I hadn't oh, oh okay she's one of the old people yeah she, she is of an indeterminate age. She has one of those faces that doesn't seem to sort of move. It's all angles and corners. Even her hair, which is sort of dead straight, and sits straight down at her chin. 
when they get into the garage, Steve turns around and says to her, So, let's see what you got then, Mrs. Neumann. Mrs. Newman. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, Mrs. Newman. Um, she she motions towards um one of the shadow wreathed corners of this garage. There are several piles of film character canisters, and also several of those industrial cardboard boxes that have like the metal corners on. You know, like really heavy-duty storage boxes of a very old kind. Like three boxes in a stack. So, um, what, what are you going to do? You, she says, please, um, please feel free to have a look around. I will, um, I'll just be in the house. And she leaves you to it. This is amazing. I mean, let's, let's open and see. Yeah. It could be lights or it could be, maybe it's an old camera. Let's just hope it's not Mr. Newman. <laughs> oh. Well, the first, the first can at the top of the stack. Um, who's looking at the cans? Who, who's first to the cans? Is it you, Steve? I think it probably would be, yes. The first can at the top of the stack says Doctor Who, Epi 6, Power of the Daleks. Steve just stands and stares at the box for a moment. The can beneath you looking at the next can or are you what you just staring? No, he's just he's just holding the canister in front of him and staring at the label and rereading it a few times. Lucy looks up, sort of glancing over at him and sees this sort of glazed expression, sort of waves a hand in front of his face. Steve, you alright? Power of the Daleks. I'm sorry, what? Missing Doctor Who episodes. You're kidding. Well, that's what it says on the label, isn't it? Really? These are film canisters. Underneath this is the Scott Walker television programme. Underneath that is Dad's Army, The Loneliness of the Long Distance Walker. Underneath that, Hancock's Half Hour the horror serial. Beneath that, Doomwatch, time code. Beneath that, Doctor Who, the faceless ones. Beneath that, Doctor Who, the Highlanders, episode four. Another Doctor Who episode. More episodes, Doctor Who, the abominable snowman. Adam Adamant Lives, three episodes in a row. And The Orstringer. The play for the Lost Play for Today from 1969. Steve goes through all of these in turn and then turns around and says to the other two, all this just don't really make sense, does it? What makes sense? Why... Would one person coincidentally have all of these missing episodes? Um, didn't Lucy say he was a bit of an arse? Maybe he stole them? It was more kind of the drink and um, being a bit of a brute, according to Mrs Newman, but what's to say that he wasn't like that? It does seem a bit of a strange coincidence that everything that people have been looking for for decades is right here in this one box, doesn't it? 
Actually, the boxes. You haven't. You've looked at the stack of film cans. You haven't looked at the boxes yet. I've been struggling with one of the boxes, trying to get it open. Right, you did finally get it open. It's full of VHS cassettes. Does anyone even own one of these anymore? The VHS cassettes have written on the side um, names and titles that coincide with what's on the film canisters. Are there multiple copies of these, or just one copy of each one? There's one copy of each one. It's almost as if he knew what he was collecting and kept them for his own personal viewing and kept the video copy of his own. It's like all the rumours about people who have been hoarding lost episodes in order to watch for themselves so other people can't have them. All of those rumours appear to have been collected in this one garage. Maybe he was part of some kind of network or something? Possibly. Well, I, I mean, he could have made a fortune out of these on the black market. Who's or he could just be one of those bastards that keeps them for himself. Probably option B, I would have said. Point is, he's no longer here. She evidently don't know what this is. So what do we do about it? You have listened to an episode of Red Moon Roleplaying, where we played the Ostringer for the folk horror game The Shivering Circle. Our game master was Howard David Ingham, and we were again joined by Mark and Tracy Norman from the Folklore Podcast, as well as our dear friend Jenny Brembari. The music was created by Kai Engel and used under a Creative Commons license from freemusicarchive.org. Production and editing was done by the Folklore Podcast. Check them out to learn more about the horrors that hide in the tales of old. We would like to give massive thanks to our champions of the Red Moon, Martin Hoysobert, Nastasha Rollerson, Simon Cooper, David and Julia, for their generous support. And we would of course like to thank all of our other patrons. Without your support, the show would not be possible. If you want to support our work, please check us out on Patreon. You can get early access to bonus campaigns for Cult of Any Lost and Coriolis there, as well as get early and raw access to all of our recordings. You can also hear your name read on the show as a champion of the Red Moon, as well as play cult with us. Most importantly, that support is what keeps the show going, so do check us out there. Thank you again for listening, and see you soon again.